0: Hello, welcome to the Radiate Podcast. We're here to connect, encourage, and empower you to radiate the message of Jesus to yourself, your neighbors, and the world. I'm your host, Steve Presswood. I'm in the studio today with Josiah Kelsey. Josiah is the youngest of anybody I've interviewed yet, and it's great to have you in the studio with me today, Josiah. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. So we've been doing a podcast for a little while since uh, spring break of this year, twenty twenty. We had to cancel our spring break trip and uh, began to do this podcast uh, around that time frame. And I've interviewed mostly students, along with a few staff and people uh, like your mom last week uh, for the Radiate podcast. I never had anybody as young as you. How young are you? I'm uh, sixteen. Sixteen. Uh, tell me from your perspective, Josiah, I remember some of the things from my own perspective, but tell me from your perspective, what you remember about us first meeting you and me.
1: Well, I think the first time I remember meeting you was I was at a Glenary and I was coming up the stairs and you were coming out of the, uh, elevator there. And I saw your, your goatee and I immediately thought, Oh, that's Mike Story. So I walk (laughs) up and say, hello, Mr. Story. And you look up and go, well, I mean, you can call me that. And I meet like, oh, who's, th- who's this guy? And I asked my dad later, and go, oh, he's Mr. Steve Presswell. He's a pretty cool guy. So I went over and I, I think I apologize for confusing you with Mike Story. And you said, no, that's a great honor. How old were you then? Oh, man, 10 maybe?
0: Yeah, that's, that's six or seven years ago, yeah. maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mike Story and I have a history. He was here at this school leading the BCM for something like eight or nine years, and uh, we became fast friends. And I do regard it an honor to be thought of as Mike's story. I didn't remember where we first met, but I can remember first uh, probably taking note of you uh, sometime around that time frame, I suppose, because I knew your, your dad uh, and have come since to uh, learn about and know your mom and appreciate her as well. So you and I are spending time today at my house. Correct. Uh, this is the second time we've done this. Describe what you remember about the first time we did this. So,
1: yeah, my dad told me that Mr. Steve Preston wanted to get some time with me and said that he was fixing a tractor. I gladly said, of course, yeah, let's go hang out. And I just remember we showed up, and the first thing I see is he opens the garage door, and there's tractor parts, engines, (laughs) tools, pistons, grease-covered, everything, everywhere. And there's this big engine in the middle of the floor, and he's got it all disassembled, and he's working on... We're working on getting something off. And I remember he's just sitting there, and we sit down, and he says, "There's, there's, I, I've been trying for the longest time, and there's no way I can get this a piece apart.
0: Had to separate the tractor into two halves to get to the engine, yeah.
1: Because it was still connected to the back end. I remember we spent the whole day just working on that. And I, I don't think we made any—I didn't at least make any headway. I just kind of sat and listened and took in all his knowledge of— No,
0: you actually did help. I recall because we took a video of a piece of this— just about the time we finally got it cracked open in the transmission, where, which is where you do the separation, you held one wheel and I held the other oh, wheel and we rolled it back. That's right. Uh, so yeah, you helped me with the final little bit of uh, separating the tractor. That was a momentous day for me. First time I'd ever split a tractor apart, but that's what you have to do to get to the engines sometimes in uh, in a tractor. So now I've got the whole thing back together again mm-hmm. and you've coveted the opportunity to come over here and drive it, Uh and I think we will do that. It is a little bit wet today, but we'll definitely do that. Sure. So I guess I should say before we go too much farther in the interview that this is probably going a little bit different direction than what we've typically taken in this uh, podcast because my intention is not to be highly content-oriented. I want—I just want to have some fun. <clears throat> but uh, it will be good to, to get to know a little bit about you and to know some of uh, your perspectives on some of the things that your mom and your dad have been doing ever since you've been a kid. So your mom and dad are both in ministry. And uh, I'm just going to explore a little bit of, of what that's been like for you. Sure. And I'd like to hear a couple of things a little bit later in the interview. Things like... Uh, what do you think of when you think of uh, the people that your folks are engaged with in ministry? Maybe if you've got a favorite verse or two, some of what you're hoping to do uh, in your life from where you sit right now. We had a good conversation on the way up here as we were driving from Edmond. So uh, that's some of what we'll explore today. Sure. So first, a little bit of fun. Tell me what you like to do with your time when you're not uh, otherwise engaged.
1: I like to read. I like to... Hang out with my friends in some way, whether that's, you know, we're doing a video call or meeting together and camping or going to a park and just eating food and hanging out. I'm a sociable person, so I like to get social interaction, no matter in what way that is, whether that's playing a game or just chilling.
0: And I think you told me that you do something with those little blocks.
1: Yeah, uh, Legos, whether it's a Lego set and I'll build it or I'll occasionally make stop motion with the Legos, which is very time consuming, but very fun. I don't really make too many of those, but it's just a hobby, but definitely building a lot of Legos.
0: So have you seen these guys that are on TV that are building these really incredible Lego deals? You like that show?
1: I do like that show. What's it called? Uh, Lego Masters. Yeah. 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 It's pretty cool. I can't build that stuff, but... uh...
0: (laughs) Do they have all their Legos organized into types to make it easy to find stuff?
1: Um, I have mine organized by color, but uh, the, the top people have it organized by color and piece. So it's not just all gr- grays, but it's you know a gray three by five, a gray one by one, all in a different.
0: Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's kind of a whole nother world, isn't it?
1: <laughs> I don't have that many, but I have enough where I need to organize it by color. So. so, tell me
0: some of the things you like to read when you're reading. Just about anything
1: that's in my room at the moment. I have about three bookcases. I Have just books been given, gifts, or bought over the years, and so it's whatever I have on me. I prefer to read history books if I can. World War II history, you know, 20th century, early 21st century is pretty nice. I really like Lord of the Rings, just the lore and the world building, especially since I like to dab a little of writing myself. If it's, if it's historical or kind of fantasy otherworldly. Kind
0: so of, you say you like to write. That, yes. That's a new one for me. I didn't know this about you. So uh, what kinds of things have you written? You done any short stories or anything um, longer? I, well, I write
1: a lot of papers for uh, my schools and stuff, but I don't write necessarily short stories. I've just been kind of working on one long story for like maybe five or six years hmm. and formulating the characters and the people and the places. And it's like a meld of Lord of the Rings and actual history and Star Wars. and But it's just... Just so is it
0: set in uh, ancient times, uh, more recent history, or something in the future?
1: Something completely not in this galaxy. <laughs> oh, I see. Just, so it
0: can have any combination exactly. of those types of things. Yeah. And,
1: yeah. So I finally sat down and started writing like the actual story instead of just filling up notebooks of ideas and maps and stuff about maybe about starting a year ago. Huh. And so I got six pages because I want it to be just how I want it to be and to convey what I have in my mind. Mm. And so it's really, it's not like hard, but it's it's challenging. Have you
0: got a plot line yet?
1: Yes. I know where it needs to are go. Are you going to
0: give us any uh, any feel for this or um, is it uh, too early? I, I just, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> have but, you got a protagonist and an antagonist?
1: Yes, I have.
0: Give me the name of the protagonist.
1: Oh, the man. good guy. My, my names are horrible. I have like, uh, it's because I'm wanting to go through time periods. So I'm fo- more like following a, a family line than of anything so the 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 family the main family line or the the Aleni, which i think i got from latin for strange um Alenus, um or strange being they got some special powers and they their main person they're fighting it's not a family line it's someone who working on the names but i'm leaning more towards a uh, magista and he's constantly just trying to prevent them from doing anything they need to do it's hmm
0: is it meant to mirror something in real life to have a kind of I, I don't know if Tolkien was going for that vibe but he definitely achieved it yeah, in um, order to try to connect things right. in his middle earth you know with things that are real here
1: maybe inadvertently but not <laughs> it's not meant to it's not overtly
0: right okay interesting <laughs> so when you look at lord of the rings you've read some of those books, but you've also, I'm sure, seen some of the movies. Mm-hmm. How well do you think the movies adapt the books? I
1: like the movies. If you can, watch the extended versions because those have, you know, so much more that the book includes. I mean, of course, there's still some continuity stuff that, like, uh, I mean, the books are just so long and so detailed and Tolkien really spends a lot of time like a lot, I know a lot of people don't like Lord of the Rings because it seems like every tree branch has a story and Tolkien tells the story. <laughs> yeah. But I I love that because it makes the world more immersive for me. So there's times when I think the the movies really do well in portraying battle scenes and because I like to see the visuals. I mean, I like reading the book and then if they make a movie of it, cool, I can see it play out on screen. But then there's things where it's like I watch the movies, like man, I wish they had, you know, maybe explained that character a little more or why the place they're in or the situation they're in is so important. Like the movie explains, of course, well, they're going to die, but the book explains, you know, how that affects, you know, it's, or, you know.
0: yeah. there's a level of detail you just can't do if you're trying to accomplish some bit in two hours. Exactly. That you can do much more detail in a book, yeah. So I was anticipating when you came over today that we were going to do a little bit more manual labor. Right. I anticipated doing some chainsaw work, dragging some of the the dead branches and cutting off some of the ones that were leaning over too much over my property. Sure. That's what I was anticipating, and yet (laughs) it's been raining for the last two hours, so we're changing our strategy a little bit. Mm -hmm. So what have we been working on this morning since you got here?
1: So yeah, on the way up, you explained to me how your goal is to make the perfect sourdough (laughs) loaf and that you've tried six times before, but it's just not to Mrs. Presswood's taste. We got here and you pulled out from the fridge your loaf that's been sitting in there for two days and then we so put it in the oven and it's cooling now. And so we watched a couple of videos on how to make a professional sourdough loaf. We watched a guy who, um, he's an, uh, an artisan bread maker and he explained his whole process and it's really neat. It's very precise. It's not just show up, throw a little bit of flour, a little bit of this, you know, you got to have the exact grams, how much you need, you know, what temperature, the moisture and it's... Very, apparently pretty challenging to make a good sourdough.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Been, so this is yeah. my interest. One of the things I've really enjoyed, and you've been yeah. gracious to let me I wish share some of my interest.
1: I'm just excited to eat some at the end.
0: <laughs> We're going to get a chance to bust into that loaf in about 15 minutes. Yes. Which I'm looking forward to. Uh, it certainly looks better this time for me. It looks more artisan in quality. Yes. And I think the flavor may be there. So. Ooh. Yeah. Share with me, if you will, something about... What you're looking at, your mom and dad have transitioned from a ministry where they did BCM work mm-hmm. at uh, OU till now they're working with the Navigators and uh, they're working with the 20s in Oklahoma City. There's some other things they do, I know, but uh, I'm just uh, interested. Uh, what do you see as you look at this thing? Uh, what do you think about the folks? What are you, uh, what are you most excited about in uh, what they're working on ministry-wise? Uh, just sort of explore some of that with me.
1: Well, I think one of the the main differences is is uh, between BCM yeah, work and the twenties. Yeah, okay. Between BCM and and twenties is, I mean, it's not it's not working with college students anymore. I think that I mean, even though it's pretty clear that's what's happening, but that's a such a major difference, and my parents took took a while and probably are still getting used to that. And, you know, in college ministry, you have four years to get with these people, and then you they might go off to another country, you know, another state, and then you gotta hope that. The work you did with them and the growing and the discipleship you had with them um, would be enough to carry them on, and then you connect them with other people, and then they kind of move on. You know, with twenties or just you know out of college, you got people that uh, started in their careers, they're young, maybe just married, young families, and they have more time on their hands instead of four years, but yet they're also more busy.
0: Well, but you're right; there are many trade offs here. So, what time you get in terms of the longevity of people being around you? Is lost in how busy they are. Right. On campus, people can uh, probably spend a little bit of time with you almost every day, certainly several days a week where you might be lucky to get a hold of somebody in the business world. Right. One time, two times a month. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, That's like something my my dad has had to change. You know, he used to just meet people for lunch, you know, with the college students or, you know, after class or something. But now he's, you know, having to meet them before work, having to adjust his schedule. It's one of the big differences.
0: Yeah. So uh, the group that you have now that they're ministering to, the 20s who are in Oklahoma City, what do you like best about this uh, new type of ministry that your parents are involved in? What do you most enjoy about being around the 20s? What do you see in them that's different from the ministry that your folks were doing with collegiates? Well, it's definitely smaller,
1: just because we're just you know starting off with maybe two or three years in this. Um, you know, Previously... You know, we where we were at with the, uh, the OU, BSU, you know, then the BCM and then paradigm, you know, that's been there for a long time. People already know people come into OU um, being told, you know, like at super summer. Hey, you know, you're Baptist or, you know, you're whatever you plug into a ministry. Look at these places, you know, after college, um, my parents kind of found that, you know, people after getting such great growth in college, they're kind of lost afterwards. You know, because maybe there's not really a group for them or they don't know where to go, or it's hard for them to find time for discipleship or being discipled or disciple someone else with their busy work schedules. Even though our group is smaller, it's it's more of people who who want to come, I feel like it's not just something that you know everyone else was doing you know for college, and you know you're kind of expected to. Um, so, so you're
0: sensing that the commitment level of those who are there is much higher.
1: Uh, yes. If I could get a feel for that, I feel like that would be hmm. more true. It's, it's like, like the young professionals, professionals are more, like they kind of understand gonna, that this is they need this more they're now they're than they're maybe in college. Then, maybe.
0: yeah, that's probably just part of maturity. Uh, I, <clears throat> it almost makes me feel uh, sorry for my stupidity when I was younger, to think that I didn't have an awareness of what I needed, and I'm much more conscious that I need help. I need input. I need others around me to expose me to things that I don't know, to uh, help me see blind spots that I can't see. Uh, yeah, I just think it's part of maturity. And when we're young, we, we tend to just have a different perspective and tend to see things sometimes more poorly. Sure. Uh, have you got a favorite Bible verse? So the one I
1: really like is uh, Matthew seventeen twenty. 20. Um, you know, And Jesus said unto them, even if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll be done, and nothing will be impossible for you. And my mom got a picture of a three mustard seeds and put the verse on it. It's hanging in. Is it hanging? I, since we recently moved, it might not be hanging up yet. But
0: Now, if you had those three mustard seeds under the shadow of a mountain, that might be a, a nice contrast. <laughs> it's They're pretty small. <laughs> yeah, they are very small.
1: I like that verse, just especially with my mom's health. It seemed like there was a lot of people praying, and there's a lot of a lot of people um, really having faith. Especially my mom, just trying to stay strong through pain and you know all the medication, and and then uh, my dad had his uh, pulmonary embolisms, and then that was rough for a couple of years. And then now my mom and dad are seem to be doing uh, better. My dad, of course, has his rough days with his back, and my mom has a maybe like a rough week or rough, rough month, but it's otherwise pretty good. And then my grandparents' health um especially my grandfather's declined so we have all these people praying and then just because there's not much we can do after a lot of the treatments and stuff it always encourages me to see that my mom has gone from uh, earliest i can remember bedridden in a wheelchair to going around and meeting women and disciple making more than ever which of course she did while still in bed and still in a wheelchair now she's going all over the place and it's because of so many people were praying and because So many people had faith that, you know, it may not be moving a mountain, but it may be...
0: Well, it was certainly a mountain for her.
1: Yes, exactly. Because that was not what she had planned on doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's no promise of what God is specifically going to do, but he is able to do anything he wishes. That's right. And it's really encouraging to think that the power of the universe is... uh, essentially at our disposal. Right. It doesn't mean we get to to uh, call the shots and mm-hmm. ask the genie in the bottle to do just what right. we want from him. Not at all, but uh, often God gives us not just what we ask, but more. Exactly. And sometimes we don't get what we ask and we wonder, oh, what's wrong here? And right. I think uh, faith is something that's able to say, God, first of all, can do, but God may do whatever mm-hmm. he wishes." He is the one who may call the shots and uh, it's right. not me. And so faith is able to to go both directions and be equally satisfied. You've got a lot of buddies from high school. Yeah. Uh, some you, going back a long way. Some going back a long way. Sure. Kindergarten. All right. So here you are. Preschool. <laughs> You're broadcasting nearly. This is not radio, of course, but podcasting. What would you like to tell them?
1: Well, they've always wanted to do a podcast, like I was telling Mr. Prescott earlier. They've kind of... Uh, it's been a, an idea for several years. We're all going to do a podcast together. We're all really funny, at least we think. And then none of them done
0: it, and here I am doing a podcast. Not with them, of course, but... But ahead of every one of them. Exactly. So, uh, since you're so funny, why don't you tell us one of your jokes? <laughs> I'm not funny. That's terrible, I'm situationally funny. Oh, situationally funny, yeah. I used to
1: think my jokes were pretty good, but I just... I kind of live life, and then something funny happens, I I make use of it.
0: Well, dads are like that in general, right? They think their jokes are funny, and they become dad (laughs) My dad really is funny. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) So you don't have any advice for these guys?
1: (laughs) I think if there was any advice to give them, they they probably wouldn't listen for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll let you off the hook with that one. Well, Josiah, it's been good to have you in the studio. Thanks for talking with me and sharing with me some of uh, your thoughts and with our podcast audience as well. It's been good to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Radiate. You can continue to listen wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect to us online at osunavs.org and on Instagram at osunavs. See you next time. And until then, keep radiating the message of Jesus.